Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Melanie Martin. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you very much, Amy. It's an absolute pleasure to be joining you. I am excited and nervous in equal measures, if that's at all possible. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I can't believe it's taken us this long to get this ourselves together and record this episode. We've we've both been busy. I've been following your fantastic work on Focus on Why. So now seems an appropriate time to sit down and have a chat. Well, let's just put some context into this conversation, just so that people understand why we may become or may come across as so familiar with one another. How long have we known each other now? Oh, we don't have to put years to that. Let's just say we've known each other since we were 11, which is a long time. Yes, I would say 11 was our first meeting and you can do the maths. Yeah, exactly. All right. All good. So it's several decades and, and maybe another extra half decade in there as well, but all good. But that's my, that might be why we, we talk so fondly of one another and particularly why you're here today, because I know how passionate you are about your work. And that's why I've invited you on to share why you do what you do. So let's get cracking, Mel, and ask you, what is that or what is it that you're doing right now? Well, I'm going to share with you almost two and a half decades worth of a, of a career story in healthcare. So my journey in healthcare continues, proudly so. I joined uh, the NHS 24 years ago, plus the four years of training within the organisation. Um, so quite a few years and, and all of my, my adult life has been dedicated, I suppose, to working um, for the organisation that I am truly passionate about. So I'm going to share with you about uh, what it's like to work in healthcare from both a personal and professional um, lens. And, and, and probably what, what I'm going to speak about the most is what really matters about both that professional and personal experience. And I suppose that's my why. That's why I'm sharing with you today. And have you always known that that's why you do what you do? Well, the story of probably my inevitable career in healthcare began very early, actually. My mum said I was born making a noise, so I was probably always then going to be um, some form of public speaker or cheerleader or, or, or leader of some kind. So that's the first moment that I probably knew something of my destiny. And then I suppose there is a key moment when I was about 13, 14, and I started the, the Duke of Edinburgh Award scheme, which many of you are very familiar with, and it's almost a, an institution, isn't it, in this country? And I joined the Duke of Edinburgh um, Award scheme at the bronze level, and I needed to um, find myself some, some kind of experience, um, Duke of Edinburgh experience to achieve that award. So I started helping at a local uh, school that provided support for children with special educational needs. And I was I would kind of cycle in my lunch hour to go and do about an hour's worth of 
of, of time supporting the physiotherapist at this special needs school. And that was my first glance at, at, at a career that I thought I could really get involved in. But prior to that, I was really sporty. I loved football. I was a real tomboy, as probably the old fashioned term would be. And so I believe that I'd probably end up being one of those physios that ran onto the football field carrying that magic sponge. But actually, that that experience that I gained doing my Duke of Edinburgh was really what set me on the path to a, a long and happy career in, in, in healthcare. But it's probably worth saying that when I talk about physiotherapy, and I'm a proud physiotherapist, physiotherapy is such a broad profession. It's not one thing. Uh, you don't do one job. So I, I'm actually going to be speaking about the real breadth of what I now describe as a portfolio career in healthcare, and I happen to be a physiotherapist, rather than speaking just about, and never just, but about those years as a, as a physio. So I went to that same school that you're talking about and helped out in my summer holidays in between university, well, in between school and university and when I came back and, and various times. But that, that didn't take me into a, a career in healthcare. So what else was there that piqued your interest? I think I can sum it up with probably the two C's. So the first one being community. So when you're strangely even though I was only helping out one one hour a week for, for over a period of, of, of a few months I felt part of their community and it was a really happy warm togetherness that 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 school really sort of the, the it generated really so I was absolutely delighted to be part of that community and I think when you work in an organization that employs it's the largest largest employer, I, I believe, in the world. And, you know, we've got in the organization I uh, previously worked in nearly 19,000 staff. You do feel part of a community. You feel you're in it together. And I think this is a, a, a strand or a thread that has followed me wherever I've worked, wherever I felt I belong, is there, this strong sense of community. And I think that's what I, I I got back, I suppose, from giving up, you know, giving that time to to that school um, in those early years in my in my healthcare career, and I suppose it's that willingness to help, it's that desire to help others, um, what I would describe as making a difference. And for me, I can make a difference, and I still believe I've got another twenty five years in the healthcare um, sector. I can make a difference by understanding what really matters. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of, uh, that's where it began. And what was the other C? So community and... Oh, the other C, yeah. Well, it's about um, connections. So, so sometimes you look to, to align or, or work with or, or, or just be amongst people who you see common values in. So for me, the, the two C's, thank you for reminding me, are, are connection and, and community. And I'll come on to talk a little bit more about why connection and the connection culture is really, really important to me. It's probably become the most important thing to me as I move into the third, my third decade of working in healthcare. So bear in mind that you've only just tipped the balance halfway through this journey that you are on and knowing how much you have already achieved, what's to come? Well, it, it, well, 
I mean, one of the the reasons why I suppose I was keen to speak to you is because I I I very much value re reflection. So looking back, um, and then sort of build building on that. But you know, it's been quite a long time coming, really, it, for me to be able to say that I have achieved things because I think you know it's not always been uh, it's a smooth uh, career path. One of the reasons why it isn't always a smooth career path in healthcare is because you, you, if you have a strong sense of belonging, you, you want to be part of a community that shares your values and beliefs. You sometimes aren't, don't always fall into those, either those organisations or those teams that 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 you fit neatly into. So it, it's taken quite a long time and some professional and personal kind of reflection to say that I have achieved good things and I'm, I'm i'm proud to share what i have done um because if nothing else for others who are listening to know that these things can be can can be achieved and and i think also when we talk about achievement what do we that means different things to different people for me a strong sense of wanting to make a difference and understanding what really matters to the patients that i serve the the colleagues i support the organizations in which i am an employee you know that makes them a real that's really important to me so values uh and uh, are really really important so um you know i have got quite a few certificates you've alluded to our our, our long our long-term connections to each other well at school i had a badge you know badges going down both arms i had girl guide badges that i ran out of you know sewing you know needle and thread for and yes i've i've more recently i suppose I suppose rather being recognized for my contributions and it's not i don't mean i'm proud that i've been upon a stage and and got a uh, an award i mean you know when you feel that you are able to put your best work out there and and that is recognized with respect and you're, you're given the autonomy to get on with that good job that that to me is the reward so um that's what being recognized means is that people trust you to go off and do a good job and if you if you feel that you are being you are trusted and you are respected then you are much more likely to grow get into your flow and really do some great stuff so my reward or recognition i suppose personal recognition is is that feeling of doing good work and that it's really is starting to chip into that overall goal i had when i joined um the nhs of making a difference that that really matters to me. So, what's the mission? I suppose the the mission is is around. I suppose what I would like to be able to to share today is that when you work in a in a in a large organisation and and you're an assignment number and you are part of a much 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 bigger plan, you know you can still have an impact. So. I think that's really what's key here. And I think the way that you can have an impact is to join up with others who, like yourself, might have been flying solo for quite a while and you felt like a bit of a lone wolf pushing on closed doors. Because for a long time, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come on to tell you a little bit about what I'm doing now. So the sort of next 25 years, but it's still in, in sort of reflective thinking here, um, if it's really important to to for me to think that I'm having an impact, I'm, I'm making a difference. So 
um, yeah, connecting up to people that, that are trying to do the same thing. And you mentioned about how important connections and culture were and the fact that you're working for the largest organization in the world, which is just phenomenal. It's just incredible, but also have that autonomy as well. So there's that sort of difference in, in working, being very connected, but also having the ability to be flexible and, and have that autonomy of working as well. Yeah, and I don't want to make any assumptions about you know, what the audience might be thinking at this point, because, you know, we've all been patients, we've all used healthcare, and we've all had um, a really, you know, various experience of healthcare, some some fantastic. And we all know the pressures that uh, the NHS and the, the health and care and social care system are under right now. But, you know, I don't want to assume that, 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 that I'm describing to all that the NHS is is an easy you know an easy easy place to be an employee but what I do do really want to, to say is that you know you when you meet that person who's trying to help you they really are do I believe they're doing so with with those with those best intentions and those values and so I always always try you know to see the the best in ev everybody so when I go to the doctors or if I went and had some um, treatment for 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 um, an ailment you know I I would my assumption would be that they're, they're going to do the best for me and and I find myself from time to time I suppose becoming quite protective of the NHS which is is quite crazy to think because how how can one person sort of wrap its wrap that my you know their arms around the whole thing and and sort of defend defend it in its entirety but my piece of my piece of the nhs i certainly aim always to bring sort of integrity and 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 put patients first and truly do that but i i, I am a i'm a i'm a patient and i i will be a future patient so um it it's really important to um just you know acknowledge that working in the system but also being a user of the system is gives you some great insight. And if you alluded to it, what really matters being what really matters for you and that it's about making a difference. And what is it? What, what is it you're referring to? What is that making a difference and what really matters to you? What what really does matter to me is this is, is putting putting our patients. So in a professional context, my patients first. And, and, and in, a, in, a, in a personal context, my, my family and my friends at the centre of, of how I behave or how, how I am around them. And, and you, you might assume that that's what everybody does. But I think it's really, really important that you keep that at, I believe that's, it's really important you keep that at, at the centre of what you're, you're trying to achieve. So when I go to work and I'm designing services um, for patients, um, I have more recently been involved in designing those services with patients so actually almost starting with a blank page saying you know what's the problem we're trying to solve here let's try and solve it together and actually listening to people with the lived experience of uh, needing care let's design that good care and what it you know what it can look like together so that's how my role as a physiotherapist has really transformed into someone who is now working in a digital transformation. Um, and you, you can drop the word digital for a moment and just talk about transformation as, as a whole concept really, because what I'm trying to do is to ensure that 
what I leave behind in my 50 years in the NHS is that we've we've really put the patients truly at the centre of 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 the care and then design the care around them. That's that's what I'm trying to do. So when I talk about what matters to me, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I started working about 10 years ago in a service um, that supported younger adults with a chronic long term condition. And when I first met some of those patients, it, it felt really quite sort of close to home. It, it, they were close to my own age. I had family members that were also affected by a similar uh, condition. And I really felt that I was um, as close as, as a clinician could be to an to understanding that that problem, that, that condition, but yet I didn't understand it fully. And until you truly ask those questions about what's it like to live with a long-term condition, what's what's different about your world to my world, you, you just don't know. And so by asking some questions that traditionally you would not be asked in a consultation that lasts 10 minutes, I got under the surface of what, what really mattered to patients. And what I repeatedly heard was, I don't want to be reminded I'm ill when I'm well. And this really got me on the journey of digital health and digital transformation. Because if we could design services that make people feel um, supported and connected to their care when they're well, but they don't need to access it then when they are well, they can they can access that care when they need it. And I suppose that was really what I mean by understanding what really matters, because if I know that they don't want to be reminded they're ill when they're well, we need to design services that support them with that. And so that's where I started embarking on designing services that support care outside of the hospital, so remote monitoring. And so I've been involved over the last five years with work that's actually focused on keeping patients out of hospital and not necessarily delivering care to them in a hospital. And that's 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 my interpretation of of what really matters is ask the patients what they truly want from healthcare and 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 be prepared to act upon it. So when I asked the question um, and I heard, I don't want to be reminded I'm ill when I'm well, that's when I started designing services that support patients out of hospital. And it sounds so simple, but yet again, you, you did allude to the fact that you've only got 10 minutes in a consultation. Sometimes you know, it, it is tough to have that that, that line of questioning when you're really got to focus on helping the patient in that in that space and it is a time pressured environment but it's the way you're describing it Mel is it's almost like you are talking about mindset almost and less about body and that there's a lot here going on as opposed to the physical ailments that you're dealing with as as a physiotherapist but it's also about the mindset it, it very much is and it's very easy to say that we are looking at physical and mental health um, but it's it it's broader it's broader than that because sometimes what brings people into a sort of hospital or a clinical environment is is not necessarily their their physical health as you say it, it, it may well be the problems they that, that are manifesting through their their mental health but also it's their social circumstances as well and if you don't ask the right questions you don't understand why that patient that person 
needs your help. And so the power is shifting. And I'm really, really um, glad to be seeing it. And what I mean by power is the decision making around how we access care. And I, I use care in the broadest sense, you know, a, a helping hand, a, a, a kind listening ear, you know, social support. What's really, it's changing. The power is changing. It's shifting into the hands of the, the, the recipient of that care, the person that really, you know, is reaching out for support. And it's moving away from a doctor knows best model to a patient knows best model. And I don't mean that that's a patient that's visits Dr. Google surgery every day. I'm talking about, you know, knowing when they're well enough that they don't need to come in for, for care um, and support and getting, as I say, getting on with their lives. But, you know, I'm talking about a, a service or a system here that, that relies upon equity, you know, relies upon an equal share, relies upon equal access. And we, we're not on a level playing field. So we, we've we really, really got, when we talk about power shifting, we've got to make sure it's shifting in the right direction and into the to the right hands as well. And, and, and I mean by, what I mean by that is looking at those communities where they're not being heard. They might, they are isolated through be it their social circumstance, their financial position, their health literacy, their physical ability, their, their mental health ability, their me mental health and well-being rather. So yeah, um, uh, that again, coming back to that, that common strand here, if you understand what really matters to the person sitting in front of you, be it on a screen or, or in person, then you can start to make sh better shared decisions about what, what's right for that, that individual. And this is what I'm, I suppose the reason I'm raising this with your audience really is, 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 is when you next go and utilize healthcare, think about who's making the decisions. Is it you? Is it, is it, is it the, the doctor? Is it the nurse? Is it the physiotherapist? Or is it a shared decision that's been reached through you know mutual agreement and, and negotiation and did you feel part of that because that's the direction of travel that I believe healthcare is heading in and absolutely needs to be but it does need to be equitable and it needs to not be hard for people to reach and it's the system that makes it hard not not the individual choosing not to necessarily engage so I may be describing something that's quite visionary. You know, that's not been your last experience of going to the GP. They gave you a script for your medicine and that was it. But I, I have a vision for the NHS. And I think a lot of people who work in the, the healthcare world do. And that's, that really is about, you know, empowering, empowering people. And I try to do that with my children. You know, I try to do that with, you know, I try to support my friends in the same way. So this professional, personal mindset that you refer to, I take it to work with me and I bring it home as well. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly been witness to that. And, and you talked earlier about the personal and professional lens and that there is no different filter. It's everything is all about looking after other people, looking after the, the environment around you, the culture around you. Now, bear in mind that this podcast goes out to 
at the moment it was 89 countries. So we're not just talking about the UK and the and the and the NHS system here. There's going to be a variety of of people across the world who are accessing different types of healthcare systems. And bearing in mind that the US is my second highest audience, they don't have this privilege of having a free healthcare service. And you talked about some of the communities not having the health literacy, but there are, I mean, there are some countries which have absolutely zero access to the type of healthcare that we have. Yeah, and, and you know, that's it's good to, to remind me of that because I think when you're working in in a, a fast-paced, busy, uh, high-demanding uh, role that I now um, work within in, in looking at how we recover from the pandemic in, 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 in our country, it makes me shudder and, and worry, really, um, where there is health inequality um, worldwide. And, and I think I work in, in digital health um, now. And what that really means is, is thinking differently and maybe using some technology. But it, it still has that common value of putting the patient first and meeting their needs. So I would, where whatever country, maybe, you know, in, an individual is listening from, I would hope that their health system still holds true to those common values of, of putting the patient first and providing an equitable access to care at the, at the right time for the right person and in the right way and choice you know I, I'm privileged uh, and I acknowledge my privilege to live and work in a in a country that provides me care free at the point of access I will never underestimate the privilege of that and and how important that NHS constitution and the 73 years the NHS has been providing that free service to me, my family and my, my parents and, and their parents. But I think for those listening from, from across the world, you, you have to hold at the centre of, of what you're trying to achieve, which is, which is around equity and fairness. And, and I think you can only do that when you have respect for, for 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 your fellow citizen so the the things that i need in my life are respect and and, and a sense of belonging and 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 i think that's what i think everyone deserves yeah absolutely and and being part of such an organization that has that at its very core makes sense and and has there ever been moments where you have been tempted almost to the dark side of private health <laughs> Well, I don't see it as the dark side, but I almost left the, the the profession that I loved. I love, and I almost left because of the culture. And and I and I'm not relating that to one organisation in which I've worked. I think at times the the focus is on getting the job done because it does need to get done. But the the way that in which you empower your workforce, the way that you bring people along with you, and and I've been complimented, and I don't mind sharing this. I've been complimented for being and someone who brings people along, and I think the reason I I I will accept I'll accept that is because I'm very open and honest and genuine, and my heart's on my sleeve, and you get what you hear is what you get. But I think what's really really important at that time when I was thinking of quitting basically was 
the culture's not right here, but I will find the culture that I fit best into. And that's where um, the last five years or so have found me moving roles and kind of pivoting my way around different projects, uh, working in different teams to find myself now in an organization where the cultural fit is 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 a really good one for me. And it's that voice. So I've got two C's, community and connection, and three V's. It happened to be the initial of my initials of my children, but that's not that's not set up that way. My three V's are vision, value, and voice. And I think probably I wouldn't have come on this podcast, Amy, two years ago, but now I feel happy to use my voice to share my values about working in healthcare and my vision for healthcare. And I'm just going to share one, perhaps one more thing with you, if I may. And it's bear with me on this. This is something I have proudly stolen from the Design Council Innovation Framework. And it's called the Double Diamond. And it's the four Ds. So here we go for some more initials to, to, to bamboozle you with. Discover, define, develop, deliver. And the principles of the Double Diamond are solving problems in a, a, a design a sort of context and in the context of healthcare, I will have used the double diamond to design services with and for my patients. But I've actually reflected the double diamond framework on myself recently and thought, well, what's the four D's for discovering, defining, developing and delivering mal, you know, in, in, in kind of the next 25 years. And so the problem or the challenge, I'd rather not call myself a problem, but the challenge for me is how do I become a an authentic leader doing what I'm doing? Because that's that is my as career aspiration to be an authentic uh, leader. And how will I know I've achieved that? So I've applied the sort of four D's, the discover, define, develop and deliver double diamond principles upon myself. And, my, and, and what underpins that is having a clear vision, being able to bring people along with you and understand you and what you're trying to achieve. So it's transparent and honest. Value, so it's based upon the values of honesty, uh, integrity, putting patients first, authenticity. And then the methods, well, I mean, I'm just about to embark on a second master's degree in digital health leadership. Now for my sins, I suppose, those will be my tools to help me achieve that um, that goal, because I'm very goal oriented, as you probably might expect. That outcome, which is, you know, to be a, a better, authentic leader. So, I, I've sort of thought I would use some science and innovation to sort of look and reflect upon where I am, because I am at that halfway point. You know, 25 years done, maybe 25 years more. So that's that's how I that's the approach I'm taking to go forward. Well, it's super exciting times. And yes, you may have been born making a noise, but you're certainly making a constructive noise right now. Well, you will know. I've usually I've usually got something to say. I hope it's positive. Sometimes I may be too much for people. I, I'm I'm quite aware that I know when to dial down my enthusiasm and passion. Um, but you can't take it away. You can't strip strip it away from me. So I, I probably can't apologize for the enthusiasm and the passion, but um, part of being a, a more a more mature, reflective um, person now is 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 knowing when to uh, how, how to, to to calibrate some of that excitement that I I still have for the work that I do. 
the energy is fantastic, Mel. It really is. And I can see the power shifting already. So from the two C's of connections and culture to the three V's, the vision, the value, the voice, to the, the four D's of discover, define, develop and deliver from the two M's, Melanie Martin, <laughs> I would love to say this, you know, this has been a fantastic conversation. And I, I just want to wish you all the best with the next 25 years, because it really is an incredible piece of work. And I, I feel you've almost under undermined your uh, your performance in what you've done in, in some way because you really have been recognized along the way for your contribution and it's been phenomenal and yes you've got many certificates and and badges to prove that but it's it's the unknown it's all of those patients who ha have improved in their health that you have not sort of taken the recognition for and and some of those people you may never even know that they went on to live fantastic lives and gone on to do various things because of the ripple effect that you've caused well i mean when you when you when you think of it like that uh, if you think of how many human interactions have i had in healthcare in 25 years you know there's 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 a lot but there's a lot more that that can be done and and i will perhaps just mention one one final thing which is i told you the story about working with that group of young adults who um were living with a long-term condition that that i i really wanted to understand what what that was like we we jointly um you know co-produced a a self-management program it started off as just a sort of black and white leaflet really and it grew and grew and it took nine years and it became a digital uh, resource uh, we made a film together it sort of almost made its way onto a sort of an app where you can put in some data before you come into the hospital so we can understand how you're feeling before you attend. And 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 that was recognised by the British Medical Association as, as, as the best patient information resource in, in, in 2019. And again, when I said about recognition, it's not about those certificates. It's about being recognized for the strengths that you put into your work. And then, and then of course, the output, the patients were the recipients of that award, recognizing that, that condition, raising awareness of the condition by simply making it in, writing a blog on the BMA website, which I, I later did. It, that's the recognition of the work. That's enough for me, genuinely enough for me. But if I could go and help it shape the lives of, of many more patients, then th that that will be a good place to end my career on. Well, I, I just want to say thank you for coming on and sharing your insights and your your lens on on the on the healthcare profession. It's been a fabulous conversation. How would people get in contact with you, Mel? Well, um, I did join Twitter uh, three years ago when um, my trains weren't running very well and um, my husband got a little uh, annoyed me, me jumping on his Twitter account. He said, get your own. So from that day onwards, I operate on Twitter on a regular basis. I am at, at Mel Room. That's short for rheumatology because I um, couldn't think of a more original handle at the time. You know, follow me. I talk on Twitter about professional values and work. I keep my, my personal life personal. But by all means, come on board and see what me and, and, and others that, that uh, share on Twitter do so around digital transformation, inclusive digital transformation. That is my passion going forward. So if, you, if that sounds of interest to you, come aboard. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure the handle gets put into the show notes. 
Thank you again, Mel. It's been an absolute delight to have you on the show and really happy with, with how you are just lighting up the, the world of, of healthcare. It's just phenomenal. So thank you for, for doing all you do. It has not gone unnoticed for sure. Have you got some final words for the audience, please? Um, I suppose I'd just like to finish by, well, thank you, Amy, for, for inviting me on to focus on why. And I suppose the, the thing I'd like to sort of leave you mulling over is ask yourself the question, you know, what really matters to you? Because certainly in, in my healthcare world, what really matters to my patients is what really matters to me. So, yeah. Just, just have a cup of tea and think about what really matters on a professional and personal level. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.